So as you've no doubt picked up, if you've been at Virginia Highland Church once this month already, we're thinking a lot about the table, what happens at the table, the beauty around the table. We're experiencing communion in a slightly different way, which we'll uh, get to in a moment. And, you know, it's no coincidence that we're focusing on the table this month, because in this very week, uh, we have perhaps an experience of the table coming up in our own lives with the celebration of Thanksgiving. Now, let's just pause on this whole Thanksgiving thing and acknowledge that Thanksgiving is a complex holiday. It might be complex for us because there's complexity in our family relationships. Sometimes we don't always look forward to being at the table with this relative or, or that relative, or maybe we're distanced from people we want to be in relationship with but can't be at the table with them due to certain circumstances of work or finances or whatever it might be. Sometimes we're missing people who used to be at the table. That's true in my family. My father died on Thanksgiving Day in 1999, and since then, every Thanksgiving has a different kind of meaning and poignancy as we gather together. And then just the whole Thanksgiving story itself has its own complexity. I mean, let's face it, the, the story that we have inherited is mostly a very whitewashed version. It is a story told through the lens of white supremacy and the story, the voices, the authenticity of the indigenous people in and around that story have been mostly edited out, though we know that the impact on those people from at that moment uh, was, was devastating, despite the generosity that they showed those early European colonists. Well, we uh, know that Thanksgiving as Christians goes back much, much longer than 1620 for that very first Thanksgiving on these shores. Thanksgiving actually goes all the way back to the table of Jesus. Every time we celebrate communion or Eucharist, we're doing Thanksgiving because Eucharist literally means, from Greek, Thanksgiving. So every time we gather on Sunday, we're doing Thanksgiving every single week, and we've been doing that as a faith tradition for 2,000 years. And we know that what happens at the table, this table, uh, maybe our Thanksgiving table, but anytime we gather at table, something happens. Relationships are formed or celebrated or nurtured and deepened. There might be a celebration that's particular happening around that table. Sometimes business deals, business lunches happen at the table. The table is a place where things happen, where things change, and what happens at the table usually doesn't stay at the table, does it? It carries out in some way into the rest of our lives. The table is literally a, a level place. It's where people from different social statuses can come together and be there at the same level together. In our justice work and equity work, we've, we think a lot about making sure that everyone has a seat at the table and who's missing from the table, who do we need to bring to the table. And we know that sometimes, even though we're all at the table, we may not have equal voice or representation, but the fact that we're there, we're, we're getting closer. If we have as many different voices and perspectives at the table, 
as possible. The table is a powerful, powerful image. Nothing levels people quite like being at the table together. Why? Because nothing levels humanity like the experience of hunger. All God's children, no matter where you come from, have to eat. We all need to be fed. We all need to be sustained. We all need to be nurtured. And so maybe what draws us to the table is that shared experience of hunger, that shared need for community, recognizing our shared vulnerability. Now, I've noticed, and maybe you have too, that there are some very common rhythms. There's kind of an established ritual in our lives, in our culture, in many places, in many spaces, around what happens at the table. There's a very similar structure. And perhaps you only have to think about the last time you had somebody over to your house or your home or your space to recognize this. Remember that last time you had people over? Maybe, maybe it went something like this. There's a, a doorbell ring or a knock at the door and the host, you know, drops what they're doing in the kitchen, those final preparations or, you know, wiping down the bathroom, whatever they're doing to get ready for the guests who are, who are now at the door. The host goes to the door and with great joy opens the door and there are the guests. The, the host has been anticipating and planning to receive and welcome, and the, ho the guests have come with maybe a gift of flowers or wine or dessert or something, and there's this moment of, ah, here we are together. Come in, come in, please, come in. The guests enter the house. The host maybe takes their coats and hangs them up or lays them over the chair, and there's this moment of gathering and welcoming and connection. What's going on? It's the ritual of welcoming. Then the guests are invited by the host into some sort of living space, right? Maybe it's the living room, maybe it's the kitchen, maybe it's the family room. If it's an open concept, maybe it's all of the above. And the first question the host asks is, can I get you anything to? See, you know how this flows, you know how this works. And so once everybody has their drink of choice, we, we start connecting, we start sharing stories, we start catching up on our lives based on, you know, the last time we might have been together. What's going on? It's the ritual of connection and storytelling. We started with the ritual of welcome and gathering. Now we are in the ritual of connecting and storytelling. Well, at some point after we've, you know, stood and had drinks and maybe a few hors d'oeuvres, we might be standing in the kitchen, we might be sitting somewhere, one of the hosts will say, dinner's ready, come to the table. And we take our drinks and we find our place at the table. We might wait for the host to offer a prayer or some word of, oh, it's so good to be together, or to lift their fork, and then we all dig in and enjoy the spread of food, and, and there's words of affirmation for the meal. Oh, this is just wonderful food. Oh, I simply must have the recipe, right? What's going on here? This is the ritual of feasting, welcoming, connecting, storytelling. Now we are feasting. Once we've all had our fill of food, we might move to a different place in the house to enjoy dessert or an after-dinner coffee or beverage or something. And then at some point, one of the guests will say, thank you for having us. This has been absolutely wonderful. We so appreciate you being together. What's beginning now? Now is beginning stage four, the ritual of goodbyeing. 
but nobody starts out saying thank you so much and then heads for the door, right? There's at least 30 more minutes of hanging out after that, right? Oh, thank you so much. And then we talk a little more and then somebody says, oh, it's been so good to have you here. We simply must do this again. We must get, yes, absolutely, we should do this. Then there's more conversation and connection. Maybe eventually we all find ourselves standing and heading for the door, putting our coats back on, and then we just go out the door. No, we stay at the door and we talk a little bit more and connect a little bit more. And finally, we find ourselves waving to each other as the guests get in the car and we pull back the curtain and give an extra little wave as they, as they drive off, right? What's going on there? That's the ritual of goodbying, welcoming, connecting and storytelling, feasting and goodbying. Is that not what happens at most of our tables most of the time when we have guests over? Maybe not with your, you know, those who sit or live immediately with you, but when we welcome others into our spaces. I would wager there are some common themes there for all of us and maybe in many places and spaces, including this one. What we do here in worship is no different than that. We welcome people in the foyer of our church. We invite them in here to the living room, the living space of God's house. We start connecting and storytelling. Eventually, we're going to get invited to the table where we'll feast together. And shortly after that, we will begin the process of goodbying, except here at Virginia Highland Church, that place where we're like, you know, at the threshold of the door doesn't last a few minutes. It's more like another 30 minutes because we have to have table part two with, uh, with snack time. But again, the same structure, welcoming, connecting, storytelling, feasting, and then some very loving goodbying. And my hope is, our hope is, that what happens at this table does not stay at this table. That the experience of love and grace that we receive here is one that we take out into the world that we are changed in some way and we bring that change out into the world. One of the most powerful things for me about the Christian story and experience is that it all comes to the fore around the table and that Jesus turns the tables on us. Jesus is at the table as host. Jesus is at the table as the one who is the servant Jesus also is at the table as the guest, and we might recognize, we hope we recognize the presence of God, of Jesus, in every person that comes to the table. Now, did you hear it in the scripture reading that Vanessa read? There is a dispute that rises up from the disciples about who is the greatest. I hope you were shaking your head with Jesus like, oh my goodness, will they ever get it? Here they are at this level table, and now they're trying to put themselves up on different levels from each other. And Jesus says something amazing. He turns the tables on them. He says, who's greater, the one who sits at the table, the host of the table, or the servants who are supporting what's going on at the table? It's a rhetorical question. Nobody has to answer. Jesus says, and I come to you as a servant turns the table, completely levels their expectations, their ideas, that there's something, somebody greater here. And then Jesus says, and you also should be the same way you should 
become servants as well, get rid of this superiority idea. We're all serving together. What happens at the table should not stay just at the table. We are called to go out by Jesus to love and to serve and to welcome the next batch of hungry people walking in the door. Jesus turns his guests, where he's host, into the waitstaff. Here at Virginia Highland Church, we used to have a tradition of giving new members aprons. Some of us who've been around a little while might remember this. We gave people aprons because when somebody joined the church, it was like noting that they had moved from being a receiver to being one who has been served, and now you're putting on your apron, you're rising up from the table, and you're joining the waitstaff. You're now becoming a servant to welcome in the next group of hungry, famished people walking in the door. Because the way that we keep this experience of grace, the way that we nurture it and deepen it, is by giving it away to others, particularly to whoever else might be coming in on our heels. That's how Jesus turns the table on us, and that's how we turn the table on anyone who walks into our doors with love, with grace, with service. Last week, you might be aware, uh, we had some protesters outside of our church, and we may have a moment later to talk about that together. And it was kind of surprising. It wasn't something we necessarily anticipated. They're not here today. I'm guessing they didn't have the kind of experience they were looking for exactly. Uh, but we welcomed them. When they first appeared on our property, I went out and offered them water. I introduced myself, learned their names. They refused the water, by the way, but I put it down there beside them anyway. And they went on and did their rather hateful and harmful uh, ministry. There wasn't a lot of theology. It was mostly hateology. And then after the service, I took them communion right from our table, and I offered them communion. They refused to receive communion from me. Now, before you think, oh, it wasn't that just wonderful of Matt to go offer them water and communion, I didn't want to do that. That was not my first impulse. My first impulse was, these are not my people. These people are against my people. I don't want to have anything to do with these people. But God spoke to my heart. I know that sounds really like churchy language. God spoke to my heart. But God spoke to my heart and said, these people are your guests too. And those people, though they are confused and filled with hate, those people are my people, and they need to be offered God's love and grace. And so, okay. And so, out I went with God's gifts of love and grace and forgiveness. <laughs> this is God's grace. This is God's forgiveness. This is the presence of Jesus given for you. I believe that's what we're all called to do. Now, we might not all call to be out there serving protesters. I, I don't suggest that is something everybody should be doing. It might not be safe for you. It may not be the right role. But all of us can find a way to serve and to give the grace of God maybe to people we're not so sure about, we're not so comfortable with, who are really outside of our tribe or our community. That's what we're called to do, not just at Thanksgiving, not just on Sundays, but every day. Because what happens at the table 
should not just stay at the table. Amen? Amen.